This is David Allen, and you're listening to The Freelancers Show. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 73 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Ruben Lerner. Hello there. Curtis McHale. G'day. Eric Davis. Hi. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that is David Allen. Hi, folks. So since you're new to the show, do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Uh, I guess so, sure. Uh, I'm David Allen. I am the inventor engineer of GTD, Getting Things Done, wrote the book, do all kinds of stuff around the world, coaching, training, teaching, helping people clear their head and get more space to do meaningful things. Yeah, and that's what the book's all about, which is pretty awesome. I have to ask, how do you come up with a system like this? You know, it was a, a string of, you know, 30 years of epiphanets. You know, there was no big wake up in the morning, da-da, you know, suddenly the, the, the clouds part and the, and the chariots come down. There was none of that. It was really just kind of piecemeal. There were some fairly significant I- events. I had a mentor who taught me the next action concept and, uh, and do sort of doing a core dump out of your head and, and how powerful those things were. And, uh, you know, and Dean Atchison, I attribute that, uh, you know, I talk about him in the book just at least briefly. So I had, I had several people and things along the way. And then at a certain point, this thing started to be, Kind of bigger than the than the sum of the parts, and I, I, as I say, it took me 25 years to actually figure out what I figured out. I kind of thought I was the last guy in the world to figure this stuff out, and maybe because I didn't have any kind of a background, either technically or uh, you know any any traditional kind of training or whatever, either in business or time management or any of that. And I would just I so I just started this tabla rasa. And then, you know, after all my different, you know, careers and jobs and so forth, I said, well, I guess I'm not going to stick around anywhere very long, so I have to call myself a consultant. So um <laughs> hung, hung out a shingle and, and then started to, I, of course, as soon as you do that, it was like, well, I, I, have, to, I have to somehow show up and, and prove some value. <laughs> so I was hungry to find what models really worked, and especially what models work for anybody. Because I've always been fascinated by, by models and what are universal principles. That if you understand the principle, you don't have to go change yourself or transform into somebody different. But if you actually apply a principle, uh, you produce a different result. So I've always been fascinated by, by that kind of stuff. And of course, uh, sort of how you manage yourself. And especially as we got a more and more complex, uh, sophisticated kind of world and, you know, especially professionally, how to manage all that really well. You know, I think I talk about this in the book. I, you know, I, I discovered what, what, what I now call the strategic value of clear space, you know, in the martial arts and spiritual practices and other kinds of things, meditation, contemplative work and reflective kind of things that I, that I like to do. But as I got more and more involved in the professional world, the static could just increase exponentially and the distraction 
so I, I guess I had a mutual hunger to, to how do I still stay involved in the world that's more and more complicated and sophisticated that I want, that I wanted to, you know, produce more value, produce more results, make more money, you know, do more good, all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't come free. So along with it comes all the, the blowback, you know, from creativity and productivity, which is then all the stuff that can very easily wrap you around the axle. So trying to figure out how to stay clear while I was involved in all of that was, you know, kind of a subliminal driver that I had and still do. So I guess, you know, I thought everybody wakes up in the morning and says, how much easier can they do whatever they're doing? But, you know, <laughs> people always said, have I, have I always done this? No. You know, I'm not even that organized a guy if you, you know, think about it in, in general terms like that. Uh, because a lot of people think of me as the organization guy and GTD as the organization, but it's as much a disorganization as it is an organization. You know, most people need to disorganize themselves from whatever structure they've been trying to, to manage things with. Yeah, there's, so, some, there's, yes. there's some point in the book where you say, uh, I think it's during the collection phase, and you say, uh, you know, some people are going to be very resistant to taking all these piles because they know exactly where everything is. I thought to myself, uh-oh, he's seen my desk. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, I've constantly, for years and years, you know, I, I've had piles. I know where everything is. And then you point out, yeah, but this hasn't worked very well, has it? And I had to admit, uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, my, my, my wife often says that sort of in the physical world, I'm completely unorganized, although, of course, I counter. No, no, I know where everything is. But she says on the computer, I know where everything is, and I'm very organized. So this sort of, like, GTD seems very attractive to someone like me. Yeah. Well, you know, an organization, I think I'm the only guy who's actually come up with the real definition. Being organized just means that where something is matches what it means to you. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with a pile on your desk as long as you say, well, here's all the crap I don't want to deal with and all the crap that I don't want to deal with I put in this pile. You actually walk free when you do that. But that's not what you did. <laughs> the thing is you've got stuff that says that's meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. But you have to keep rethinking, well, what exactly does it mean to you? Is it something you need to do? Something you need to hold as reference? Is it something that whatever? And because of that confusion, see, I only get organized so that I don't have to rethink what something means. That's right. All. I'm, I, just, I definitely I'm just go so lazy. Piles. You know, I go yeah. through these piles every, I don't know, three to six months, and I say, ah, I do need this, I don't need that. And so that means I'm thinking about it at least twice. It's yelling at you. You go numb to it because you don't like, you don't like being yelled at. But that's, you know, see what GTD does. It's, it's, it's like the noise in the room that you don't hear until it turns off. Yeah. So, you know, that's what, that's, that's my problem from marketing. I solve a problem most people don't know they're in. (laughs) I think they sense they're in it, but they don't know, they can't identify it. And so. You know, they they don't know what it's like. The the silence is just would be too noisy to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, it kind of ties back to one of the things that you said in the book, where you basically pointed out that uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how you said it, but it really struck home to me that basically the reason that uh, I feel so disorganized and that I've got all this stuff going on and I feel overwhelmed is basically because I have betrayed the trust with myself by not living up to the agreements that I've made with myself. Yeah, and you also don't trust that you know and will process it. Mm-hmm. See, the weird paradox, the kind of Zen, another version of the Zen of all of this, is that once you really get this game and you understand how to shut the noise off, the noise doesn't bother you. It's <laughs> like, hey, it's noisy. That's cool. Mm-hmm. No big deal because I know I will clean up. And if you don't trust that at some point you will zero out all your backlog, then the backlog is constantly yelling at you. So you don't have to get rid of all your backlog to have a clear head. You have to trust that you will. So if you catch that, 
so a lot of times, you know, people walk away suddenly going, oh my God, David just defined the game. I don't know if I'll play the game, but it really feels good to know it's there <laughs> in case you need it. Right. I guess, I guess GTD is not trying to say, stop doing all the things you're doing, although that might be an outcome of it. It's saying, let's at least take all the inputs and try to organize them so you can have some sense of when you're going to do what. Because I definitely feel like, oh my God, I've got so many things to do. I've got my clients, I've got my family, I've got my dissertation. And, and so my, my reaction has basically been triage. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the way I describe it these days is you, you, what GTD does is it gives you uh, the sort of instruction and direction about how to create the, the right orientation maps for yourself. You just need maps. You know, you all looked at a map to know what time you needed to be on this call or on this Skype thing. You look at a map when you step back and say, okay, what, what is this afternoon? What's your map for the afternoon? What's your map for the next six months? What's your map for the next hundred years? What's the map when you talk to your life partner? What's your map when you wake up in the morning? What? It, and it's all orient, it's all about being oriented. So what you just expressed was, gee, I don't trust that I have the right orienting maps for myself. So GTD is nothing more than a focus tool. It's really an orient. It, it's really about setting up the right. It, it's like being having a map room, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and all the maps are right. It's just you know which map do you need to look at before you start taking off for the day, and which map do you need to see when you're down in the whoops we're about to hit a rock. Like, show me that. Give me that map. Let me see where that is. Oh, we uh, hey, where, wait a minute. Where are we really headed this next two weeks? And you need that map. That's why the weekly review is is the is the prime orientation tool that's most missing out there, and it's the one that that you guys don't do as regularly as you ought to. Otherwise, you wouldn't ever have any questions about GTD. Yeah, I, I finally <laughs> sat down and made a an appointment with myself, and it's it's an appointment with myself and my system. Yeah, good. Yeah, and I that's just because the first entry I have on my blog is I started using GTD in two thousand five, and I've stop doing some parts of it but the part that i still do every week is the week weekly review and then i have a monthly one i do after the first and that alone has like helped me with like 60 to 80 percent of my productivity stuff is just going back and looking at what i'm going to do and figuring out what's next sure no that, that, that you know there's a some of these are just master keys and you named you named one like and so you're just reflecting okay i need that weekly orientation a lot of people have, you know, hour by hour orientation. You, you, you know, most people who are proud of their GTD systems will talk about their next action list. And that's, a, it is a key component. But there's, you know, there's a higher horizon. I call it the lost horizon is the horizon of your projects, which is really the next horizon up that you need to take a look at on that week to week basis. So even after you're in control day to day, you then need to get in control week to week. And that's where you need a different horizon. You need a different orientation map. Yeah. So I have a question about GTD, and I'm not sure if I saw the answer in the book or not. Um, I, I have a theory about where it falls, but I'm curious to see what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things that I need to do every day, like, uh, you know, brush my teeth and have a shower and that kind of stuff. And go work out is, is kind of a big one. And sometimes I blow some of those things off. You know, I don't have time or, I, you know, I wake up late and so I, I don't really feel like I have time to go work out. Or, you know, I don't really feel like going into the bathroom, so I don't brush my teeth. You know, um, how do you, how do you fit that into this system? Because it's more of a routine thing than it is a, uh, you know, something you put in your to-do list and just check it off because it's done, because it's never really done, right? Well, you know, I don't write a lot of stuff down because I let life just tell me, you know, uh, um, 
probably 80% of my life or 90% of my life is not in my system. You know, I just do what I feel like doing. I mean, the way you described is that that's kind of my life. Sometimes I feel like brushing my teeth and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel like exercise again. Sometimes I don't. So I'm just letting my, you know, I'm just letting myself. See, you don't need to overkill this thing. I mean, my, my wife and I hardly ever make, you know, grocery lists because we go to the Whole Foods store and we go to the Santa Barbara far, Farmer's Market. And that's where we get 90% of our food. And all we have to do is walk down the aisles and that's sufficient trigger. So why make a list? Just walk down the aisle and see. <laughs> you know, don't need to don't need to write down do laundry. No underwear is a sufficient trigger. You know, so <laughs> well for some people. <laughs> for some, you know, well, I, yeah, I guess, okay, I guess so. So you know, don't need to walk right walk dog because the dog's there and it's obvious when she gets antsy and needs to take a walk. So there's no need to write in. The only thing you need to write down is when some part of you says, oh, I need to remember and remind myself about something that I can't do this very moment. Okay. And if you don't trust that, the, that life will let you know that, then that's in a backup computer. Your computer does not, does not look different unbacked up, <laughs> right? <laughs> if it started to stink or turn yellow or something, if it's not backed up, then you don't need to write that down, right, Un- until it becomes a habit. Now, think, once things become a habit, you know, then your your own habit will then force you to, you know, will will be a sufficient trigger. Mm-hmm. So I I don't write anything down unless I have to. Believe me, I'm as la- I'm lazier than anybody. I just don't want to have to think of something twice. Right. Yeah. I yeah. guess my issue though is that if if I don't put it in the system, I will forget to go work out. And well, so- then just so give it up, relax. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> it's not enough of a priority then, right? I don't miss my bike rides, you know, except for the odd week when I feel terrible or something else has to come up because I'm sitting there at the office going, man, I want to go for that bike ride tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think just putting things on a list is going to change a habit, think again. That's true. As someone who had over a thousand items on his to-do list, I agree. (laughs) Just last week, well, a while ago, I had kind of given up on getting things done. But I think now, after diving back into it over the last two weeks, that I wasn't really reviewing almost at all. And when I came back, so I actually just deleted my whole, all my tasks and started from scratch because I hadn't looked at them in months anyway, so they were not relevant. That, did that feel great? Just like, hey, it, wait a minute, Tabula Rasa, start again. Why, it why? did feel great. And then doing a review on Friday, and I blocked out some time in my calendar to, you know, 15 minutes to do a review of all the projects and getting things or getting everything I need to done every day has felt great for the last two weeks. So I mean, it, it seems to me, and I realize I'm trying to boil a whole set of ideas down to a sentence or two, but it seems like the whole idea of GTD is keep everything you need to do on a to-do list, and then, or multiple lists, I guess, in categories, and then just go through them, and as you do them, get rid of them. And so everything should be on these lists. I, I just want to check if, if I've sort of cut to the essence correctly, because then I have a question based on that. Well, here's an even more essential statement. Your head is for having ideas, not for holding them. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. I mean, in my consulting work, I have numerous clients at any given time. And so I'm sort of, and we use all these ticketing systems and each client of mine basically has their own ticketing system. Uh, There are these two things that I need to do for each client in separate places. Should I then be, if I'm going to adopt GTD, putting each of these things on my own to-do list in addition to having it on their websites? So I'll, I'll see it and it'll stick out. You would need to do that unless some part of you says, I only need to see those when I'm surfing their site. And you have some trigger to do that or some impetus to do that. 
Yeah, what I do to deal with that is I'll even make a note that, you know, I need to work on this client site tomorrow. And I know there's to-dos there. And so then I go over to that list and actually look at the list and interact with that list for the client on the oh, on the project clever. management site. So it gets one note saying, you know, I got to I have to clean up a few things on a site today for a client, and that's all it says. And I will go to Trello to actually look up what they are and her well, specific notes. That's why, you know, I sort of uncovered and formulated the the organized by context, because you don't need to see something if you couldn't do it anyway. So why bother? You know, yes, on some regular basis, you probably ought to look through your whole inventory so you don't miss anything and some part of you feels more comfortable. You're seeing the whole gestalt. Uh, so you know how to allocate your resources. So yes, you do need to at some point step back and make sure it's kind of like every so often you need to purge all your files. You know, you need to step back and, and, and be able to sort of, whoa, wait a minute. Let me, let me bring up the rear guard now. So the weekly review or any longer horizon reviews is sort of bring up the rear guard and that, that you would need probably access to look around and see where things are. But a very simple example of this would be people who still might be doing paper-based bill paying. And they just collect all their bills during the week and on Friday afternoon or Friday night or Saturday morning, they sit down and pull all the bills out that they've kept in a, in a basket or in a file and they pay all their bills. So they don't need to schlep all those bills around them all week long and be reminded I have those bills to pay because they only, they see them when they need to see them, where they need to see them. So they don't need to bother their system with stuff like that. Their system is already, that is part of their system. It's just, that's where it is and that's when I look at it. And they would have no attention on it, assuming they trusted they were going to be there and do that at that time. So, and that's that's exactly how I do my bills. It's like you know I've mentioned a couple of times, like every week I do bookkeeping, and what I do is I have a script that puts in like all my weekly review tasks into my to do list. And so, one of those is to balance finances, which is business, personal, pay bills, all that. And so, I have that one to do item that kind of covers all that to remind me that I I've done it or I haven't done it this weekend. And yeah. from there I go and do all the bills and bounce the checkbooks and all that stuff. Yeah, good idea. So one thing that I'm wondering a little bit about with the, the context is when I read the book, it talked about like when you're at your computer or when you're out and about and stuff like that, um, you know, when you have the resources with you to do it. Um, but it seems like more and more things are going to the point where I can put all of my notes into Evernote, I can put all my to-dos into OmniFocus, and then I can sync it all to my phone and I can do 90% of what I need to do from wherever I'm at. Sure. So do the context hold yeah. as much uh, value there or does the context con- just change to I'm in a position to be working on this kind of stuff? Yeah, it just changes to anywhere as a context. I have an anywhere list. Not much on it because there's not a lot of things I can do anywhere, but it, you're right. It's becoming more and more you know, virtual in terms of where you could do any and all of that. But context can also take on, you know, psychological context. What are the creative things I've got on my list that I need uh, sort of creative psychic space to do them? Or what are the things that, you know, that are, you know, kind of dummy things to do that don't take a lot of mental horsepower? Let me sort those that way. And, and by the way, one list of 150 things is fine if you don't blow a fuse looking at 150 things. <laughs> you know, fine with me. You know, yeah, so there's my, no, my there's, brain melt, melts down at like 20. Yeah, well then that's why that's why it's nice to find okay what would what sort would then take that pressure off you. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and I, when I first did GTD I was working with an employer and I actually broke my comp- at computer to at computer work and at computer home because I kept track of work to-dos on the same list. Mm-hmm. And that way like if I like, during lunch I actually brought my home computer to work, I could do some of the at computer home things because I had my laptop, but 
it, it was a nice way to separate. And I didn't have this, you know, thousand long list for at computer and it kind of separated out and kind of structured my work a little bit better because I was at work or I was at home. Yeah, I have three. I have at computer that don't require being connected to the web, and I have at computer that require a hot web connection, and then I have surf, which are all the, it's kind of a version of someday maybe, you know, all the cool videos to go look at and the games I might want to try, check out or whatever. The, the, the surf is sort of like the read and review stack. You throw it, you, you throw it away when it falls over, you know, so I don't, I barely look at it, but every once in a while, if, if I'm, you know, I got half an hour to kill and my brain is kind of toast, you know, and I've got a good, you know, internet connection Then I may go, you know, pick off that surf list and just play. So the, I've got three different uh, computer contexts. Well, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but I mean, for years I've had 20, 30 tabs open in my browser, a good two thirds of which are, oh yeah, one day I should really take a look at these. So yeah. it's not enough that I have stuff on my desk and that I have, you know, different to-do lists for clients and then I have my own to-do list, but I've also got these tabs and things in my inbox. I'm, I'm, I'm a classic, classic basket case for you. <laughs> so, yeah, I think even uh, that someday maybe list though so easily becomes a set of promises you make to yourself that I'll get it, get to this someday and when you're never really going to, right? Like all my sure. old tasks, I was never actually going to get to so many of them. I, so I have been trying to be way more ruthless with that. I'll do this in the future list and just saying I'm not I'm never going to do it if I'm not going to do it today or tomorrow when I can't find a time this week I'm just not going to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, over time, you know, I, I I'm just easy with that. Someday maybe is, is no no commitment that I'm going to do it at all. It's a commitment to review it at some point or at least to have it accessible to me. I mean there there're 50 shades of gray between a reference and a someday maybe. You know, all of the re- I've kept every restaurant that I ever might want to eat in again, being the foodie that I am for the last twenty five years. I still have, I, so I have all those, right? And, wow. and it's kind of a version of someday maybe. I also keep a list of next time in, next time I'm in the New York area. Here's people I might want to see, cool museums I might want to see, anything I run across. And it's not complete, but it's it's a version of kind of when and if, you know, or when then you know, options, you know, things to do. So do you call that reference or do you call that someday maybe? I don't care. Call it whatever you want, whatever you want. I think you just bloated my somewhere maybe to beyond reasonable. But uh, one other thing. You you, you might want to consider subdividing your someday maybes. There's sort of the bucket list stuff called God. If I might might want to take a balloon ride with champagne breakfast or Mm -hmm. I might at some point want to climb Mount Everest or whatever. So you could keep the bucket list. And then, you know, a lot of people actually enliven their someday maybes by creating separate kind of categories. Like places I might want to go might be a separate list Mm -hmm. or uh, cool vacations I might want to take or uh, food I might want to cook. Or whatever. So whatever your kind of fun and interests are. I mean, that's really where the open-endedness and the fun of the GTD is. As you start to build kind of a total life system, what are all the cool, fun things you like to do? And wouldn't that be nice to be able to keep those kinds of lists as options and things available to you, so that you're not you're not just banging around, driven by latest and loudest. You have a lot of a lot of creative options that would allow you to take advantage of things that you might forget about uh, if you didn't if you didn't keep track of them. Yeah. 
So one other thing I want to jump in, I'm going to change topics a little bit, is uh, Reuven keeps saying to-do list and category. But for me, what really drove home, this is my second time reading it, by the way, and I swear somebody switched copies on my Kindle because it was a different book. <laughs> Wait till the fifth time. Wait till the fifth time you read it. I've had people read it five or six times. Oh, wow. I felt the same way. I read it a couple of years ago when I read it this time. I was like, this is, I know way, you know, so much more. This is you know, <laughs> yeah. so much better now. But But the big thing that hit me was that when you were talking about defining projects, you, you kind of have that, you know, thousand, ten thousand foot level that you deal with the projects on, but you talked a lot about the outcomes for the project. And, uh, that, you know, that what outcomes are you working toward? What outcomes do you want from this project? It's not a project unless it has outcomes. And then you have the actions that get you there. And, and that was really the thing. Like I've had to do this before. I've used a whole bunch of different systems before GTD and, I have to say that just having those outcomes there, so it's not a, because for example, I, I, I initially had a category for this podcast, um, you know, for stuff that I need to get done. And what it becomes since this podcast happens every week is stuff because it's just a general bucket for this podcast. But instead, if I break it down and I look at it and go, okay, well, I eventually want to have this, uh, outcome, you know, related to the show. And then I can start breaking down the actions for that and find the next action and, and do that. That's what really gets me going. And so it's not just a categorization for my to-do list. It's actually, uh, this is what I want. This is what I can envision. This is what gets me excited. And this is what the payoff's going to be. And so now I can start working toward it. Fabulous. Yeah. Outcome thinking is really one of the, you know, it's one, one of the zeros and ones. You know, it's outcome and action thinking. You know, how, where where am I going? How do I allocate resources to make that happen instead of something else? And in a way, it's really that simple. But that's elegant. That that when you can when you start to actually have that real experience that you're describing. Yeah. So yeah, big payoff. I, I had a ton of epiphanies while reading the book. I'm glad you did all the hard work figuring <laughs> all this stuff out. <laughs> well, it, it's funny writing a book about stress free productivity almost put me away. You know. <laughs> Yeah, like, if, if anyone didn't get through the book, I know a good system for uh, man- managing your life to get it in. Hmm. But yeah, well, well, he, he, I mean, p- part of my problem, I think, is that I'm so interested in doing so many things that I sort of take too much upon myself, and so I'm I'm worried to some degree that even if I go whole hog with GTD, that I'm going to end up with just longer and longer and longer uh, to do lists. Mm-hmm. So is is part of the system also? Oh, I see. Yes, Curtis even said, you know, the the power of no, which we talked about on last week's show, is is part of the system trying to be a almost a forcing function, showing me that if I have all these things to do, then I really need to evaluate carefully before I take on new things. Yes, and that wraps that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's really true. When you know, I, I, when I first started practicing this stuff years ago, you know, I'm a I'm a yes man. I love approval. I hate telling people no i can i hate not giving people what they want you know i'm i'm just that's that's kind of how i'm wired but once i started to realize wait a minute if i say i'm going to do it i'm going to have to write it down i'm just too damn lazy <laughs> so so it's like i i would i would say no simply because i didn't want to have to keep track of it so you know it, it, interesting like I, I i sort of backed into it that way you know if you it, as you start to really catch this and really realize wait a minute uh, most people you know, a lot of uh, one one lens or filter to put on what GTD is about is really about managing your agreements with yourself. 
a lot of which include other people in those agreements, but they're all agreements with yourself. And when you don't keep, I think we mentioned earlier, when you don't keep an agreement with yourself, you're going to deflate your energy it automatically and, and your self-esteem. And, you know, self-image self and self-esteem is really the, your biggest limitation about where you're going in life anyway. Mine too. So anything that undermines that, you would want to stop doing. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to do that anymore. So just starting to get a grip on what your agreements are with yourself. And in a way... The real way to think about GTD and the real why of it is it allows you to be present with whatever it is you're doing. You can only do one thing at a time in terms of consciously focused attention. So it's either half empty or half full. That's either the thing to put your conscious focused attention on or it's not. And if it is, then you feel good about that's the thing I need to focus on right now. And everything else needs to wait. But as you heard me say probably many times, you can only feel good about what you're not doing when you know what it is. So if you haven't kept track of what you're not doing so that you're constantly renegotiating those agreements with yourself, I am not doing all of that. If you guys have had your, if your mind, while we've been talking, if your minds have gone anywhere else other than what we've been talking about, then it's because you're not appropriately engaged with wherever your mind went so that you could let it go. You know, it's now banging you on the head to call, hey, decide something about me or hey, you've got something you needed to do or decide or think about about me. And if you haven't done that, then you're not really appropriately engaged, not really keeping your agreement with yourself about it. But if you've been totally present here, it just means, hey, you're appropriately engaged with the rest of your life. And by the way, you're not doing it. <laughs> getting things done is not about getting things done. It's about being appropriately engaged with all of your life so that you can be fully present with whatever you're doing. You know, if I've heard recently, I think there was some study or some, some write-ups about how everyone is multitasking nowadays, and it turns out that people are just horribly bad at it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure... You know, I'm no exception to that rule, uh, even though I do it all the time like so many other people. And so it sounds like you're saying, yeah, don't try to do lots of things at once. Focus on one thing, get it done, get it done well, and don't feel bad about that because then you'll move on to the next thing that needs to be done. Sure. And the truth is, too, that, that multi, you know, martial artists, when they fight four people at once, don't fight four people at once. It's one at a time, just real quick refocusing. But they leave everyone fully, completely when they go to the next one. So. The problem is when people try to multitask, they actually don't have a systemic process that can actually keep placeholders for what they're involved in. In other words, if I'm working on something and you walk in, you know, you know to my room and say, hey, David, could you buy da 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 If I haven't got a placeholder for the work that I was doing, then a part of me, then if I feel like I now need to handle you or to engage with what you're bringing to me, first of all, I'm going to get pissed off at you for disturbing my world. And then I'm going to, because you're asking me to do something and I don't trust I can take what you're asking me to do and put it into my system that I would see it at the right time. Now I'm going to get up and go do it and get really mad at you since <laughs> what you didn't do. And that's simply because most people just don't have a trusted system and trusted placeholders. If you have trusted placeholders, I can work on that. That's why I, you know, oftentimes I'll be working on something on the computer and I'll literally print it out and throw it in my own in basket because I haven't finished it and something else showed up that I needed to go do. In that process, but I but I've got a placeholder now in my in basket. So when I come back in, I go, oh, what's the? Oh, that's right, and I can pick that up and, and then go right back to the computer and pick it up right where I left off. So that's if you catch that idea. No, you can't multitask in terms of consciously focused attention. And people that are trying to do that are starting to then get really distracted because they've got an internal thing that's trying to keep track of something while they're still trying to do something else, and that's that's awful. Of course, that's going to denigrate your, your, your performance. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So uh, one other thing that you said, and this is just a, it wasn't a major point of the book, but it was something that struck me, mainly because I had been doing GTD for a while, and then I started, you know, putting a bunch of stuff back into my inbox and, and working on things, and uh, you mentioned that leaving things in your inbox is not a good idea, that you should actually be processing it pretty regularly, um, and that you, you tend to, if you're ignoring your inbox, you're probably ignoring other things too. So I'm I'm a little curious as to what the correlation is between the two. Is it just because you're not in your system often enough? Yeah, yeah, very probably. I mean, uh, here's the thing: if you really don't trust your your system, and and your system includes your behavior in in engaging with it, if you really don't trust that, you're going to be driven by latest and loudest in your head. Yep. And the problem is, is that most people, because they don't really completely do this, are still trusting their their head is still their major system. And then it becomes too much work to clean up your end basket or to deal with any of this other stuff because you're, you know, it's not you're not getting the payoff. Trust me, if you <laughs> once you really taste what it's like to walk around with nothing on your mind, you know, as as not an exceptional state but as normal, then. Anything that disturbs that, you will do the behaviors you need to do. <laughs> you know, like, hey, I'm, I got to clean this up. If you've got stuff lurking in your in basket that you've already looked at and you know is just is in there as a placeholder to remind you to do something, and at the same time you've got stuff in there you haven't decided what it is, your brain just short circuits when you look at it. That's why. Yeah. That, that's so why I started scheduling my inbox time at the end of every day. In my last thirty minutes or so, I deal with any emails that have come in in the la- during the day, and then I get my in my GTD inbox down to zero so that everything is sorted and cataloged even if it's taking those emails and saying I'll in my email time tomorrow I'll get to those yeah and if you don't do that by the way what happens is in most of the world especially the the high tech world you guys know very well is that people are just living in emergency scan modality and there's no light at the end of that tunnel you know if you don't if you're not zeroing out in then you're constantly worried or thinking or interested in what's in in and what's in, 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 you know, and, and so if you're not doing anything, you're checking in, and but you're you're not just checking it; you're just reminding yourself of stuff you haven't decided about, you know. And so it's okay. It it just once you uh, the reason for categories, i.e., getting organized. The reason for sorting things by what they mean is so that you don't have to constantly keep rethinking that. That's that was my point earlier. So anything in in means there's some decision about it I haven't made, and that's absolutely fine. <laughs> that's what the in basket's for, but it's nowhere else. As soon as you break that code and leave actionable things in in, then you'll be leaving in stuff around your actionable space, and then you go numb to the whole thing. So you don't want to, you know, it's like breaking that code. As soon as you let one thing, one receipt, one business card you haven't processed yet, one piece of paper, one email lie somewhere besides in, then some part of you starts throwing that stuff all over the place. Uh-huh. You know, you break the code. It's like, where do you throw empty gum wrappers? Where there are, where there are already empty gum wrappers. You don't throw them on clean lawns. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. So you, you will tend to attract junk too, by the way. I don't get a lot of emails. Oh, wow. That would be nice. You don't, but see, I respond to every one of them yeah. and pretty quickly. So people think not just twice, they think 20 times before they write me. Yeah, I always found like when I worked for someone, they, I stopped getting many lots of emails because I told people I only checked it after lunch, mm-hmm. and that was it. And so that was not the best way to get a hold of me. And I even tell clients that I check it at one o'clock and then I clean it out at the end of the day, and that's, that's it. 
That's great. A, a good friend of mine, Ben Hammersley, who writes for for uh, Wired UK, and 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 Ben's a great guy. And and Ben, ben did, did something. He said it really surprised him how well it worked. He said on the weekend he 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 lets everybody know that he will not look at email over the weekend until Monday morning. From Friday afternoon to Monday morning, he won't even look. And he said he thought he would be pissing people off. And he said the real surprise was how many people said, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, because, you know, if I sent you one, you'd send it to me back. And, oh, my God, then I'd be getting wrapped around the axle for the weekend. And they said, thank you. <laughs> that was really funny. It was great. Like, wow, people stopped the ping pong. So my next question is, I'm going to stop saying I am going to say a friend of mine um, <laughs> has been living in this emergency mode for quite a while. And, uh, you know, kind of, yeah, he looks like me. He smells like me. He lives in my house. Anyway, um, so he has a lot of things going on that he's kind of taken on and he's, he's getting back into this system, but it still feels overwhelming because there is so much to get done. I, I know that there's some level of prioritization that's going to happen because eventually you run out of time. But how, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you handle everything that's still an emergency while you're getting a handle on all this stuff? I don't know. I think it's saying no. Just looking at, like, I was kind of in that place a couple of weeks back, and I just looked at all my projects and said, these two, I don't want to do them, and they're super emergencies. And I called up the client and said, hey, uh, this is what's up. I can't do it. My wife's been in and out of the hospital a bit, and I can't do it here's your money back and uh, here's a good spot to find a good developer. And I just cleared the deck with two or three projects, which cost me something, but has paid off in not being stressed. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, uh, at some point you, you, you really do need to invest in yourself in terms of your own process. So, you know, block a block a weekend and clean up, you know, and clean. It, it will be a lot easier to make those kinds of triage decisions once you get your arms wrapped around it again and you clean up their backlog and really take a look. All right, I'll tell my friend. Yeah. And, hey, give yourself a, a treat. Give him a treat for doing it, by the way. Hey, hey, you know, here's your reward. Or you can just go uh, go do whatever, go do the fun stuff. Yeah. Now, there's there's two, you know, there, I'm I'm of two minds and of two different, you know, councils here. One is just one step at a time. Just pick one thing to go clean up. Mm-hmm. You know, very likely, once you do that, you get all inspired and you'll keep going. But just pick one thing, like a corner or one file cabinet or, hey, let me just clean up, you know, some part of my computer or let me just reorganize my, you know, pick something that's sort of in alignment with the, the GTD model itself. And, you know, I just kind of just keep going, if you will. The weekly review, by the way, if you, if you start doing that, don't wait until everything's cleaned up to do weekly reviews. Because one of you made the point that, you know, even though you don't do necessarily all of this, if you do start to doing weekly reviews, that actually will give you the motivation to clean up a lot of other stuff. Simply because you'll get, you'll get a higher perspective on it. And you'll see a, a lot more reason to get clean and clear and you'll be more inspired. And, you know, hey, I want to get the distractions out of my life. So that's one way to do it. And the other way to do it is just block out and say, hey, I'm just going to take two days and, and get this done. And just the other thing to remember is not every project needs a weekly review, right? Oh, no, not at all. Some projects don't need to be reviewed for two or three months, so you can just let them sit because, yeah, because it doesn't start till then or because lots of other reasons. Well, that's part of, part of the weekly review. And, you know, the weekly review is, is not just rehashing old stuff. Believe me, 
you know, you're going to come up with lots of, oh, that, oh, this would be cool, or that reminds me, or that's, oh, that'll wait, or whatever. And once you do, you know, a, a good three or four in a row, you know, it'll just, all you have to do is glance at these lists and go, that'll wait, that'll wait, that'll wait. Oh, that one won't. So. Yeah. Another thing I found with the weekly review that worked is every week, this is when I had a big to do list, is I would have to kill 10% of my list, just completely flat out decline and, you know, cancel commitments I made. And, you know, 10% at a time every week really starts adding up. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right. So I'm I'm a little curious now. Um, when you work with people, when you go and consult with people, have they usually read your book? Usually, um, yeah. or they've got or they've got it on their shelf, <laughs> and, and and say, <laughs> you know, I've done it for a year. <laughs> I just haven't had a chance to do it. <laughs> yeah, they should add it to their system. Put it in their inbox. Mike, um, I guess my question is, what parts of the process? have usually broken down for these people when they're calling you up, if they've read the book? Oh, they don't completely do it. Uh, they don't completely do a mind sweep and get it all out of their head so they don't trust the system. Or even if they do that, they ha- they're really not making next action decisions that discreetly or that granularly. And very few people create a project list and have anything near a complete project list. That's a It's a strange phenomenon out there that somehow people are allergic to that. They don't get it. Um, that's, and, and if they don't do that, then there's a part of them that's still prioritizing out of their head as opposed to really being able to have a good orientation map about that. And they're not, they don't, they don't, they fall off. It's very easy to fall off this wagon. If your lists are not complete, it's very easy for you to go, God, it just ain't worth it. It's too much trouble and I'm not getting any payoff. And you'll just fall off exponentially fast because the more the, the, the more out of date or incomplete your, your, your lists or your system is, you know, the more you're not going to be keeping it complete and up to date. So you'll fall off exponentially fast. The good news is you can get back on that fast. All you got to do is sit down and just, hey, let me get my head clear again. Let me decide outcomes and actions. Let me park those in some appropriate place so I can step back and see the whole gestalt. So it's easy to, easy to fall off, easy to get back on. And so any one of those could be where somebody falls off is either not consistently bringing up the rear guard and they fall off the, the whole system. You know, it, the, kind of the good bad news is you can implement any of this stuff and it'll improve your life. Mm-hmm. You know, just keep a pen and paper by your bed and you'll sleep better. You know, just if all you did was implement the two-minute rule, it'll change your life <laughs> if that's all you do. You know, but yeah, I found my my biggest ones were the review, and then I'd commit to way too many things on one day. I'd look at my list and be like, I have forty-two things that I'm supposed to do today, and I think. You know, three of these are going to take half a day. Why did I even do that? Yeah. Well, that's just, you know, that's a lot of that then is just once you even set up your system, it will change and morph. A lot of your maturity along this path of mastery, and, and it is really a path of mastery as we've begun to really understand it and all our experiences with the people who've really been in this for a long time is this is a lifelong process. I mean, just like tennis or playing chess or go or the tango or you know, anything or mathematics, you know, or learning Italian, there's no end to how good you can get at it. So it's a, I think most people think, oh, GTD should just be a simple transaction and then I've got it. No, (laughs) that's like saying, let me go play tennis once and now I got the game. No, you don't. You know, you've just discovered there is a game to play and, you know, then you can constantly keep getting better and better and better at it. But, uh, you know, one of the hallmarks of your maturity is first of all, at some point, you'll say, I've got a whole intact productivity ecosystem. 
You know, I, 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 I know where the edges of my ecosystem are. I know how to deal with inputs that come from any one of these. I know where all of the results of my thinking about these go and get parked. And that's a pretty big, big place to get to just in and of yourself so that you, you, you really have externalized systemically your commitments and, and what you need and want to use as decision support and orientation maps for your life and to get that complete. But then that will change. As you go through the episodes of your life, hey, I suddenly we're, ha- we're having a kid. Oops, our kid's just left for college. Oh, I just got a life-threatening uh, illness. Oh, my gosh, I, you know, just, uh, I just moved or uh, I just got fired. I just got hired. I just got promoted. All of those are the times where you, know, you will probably need to rethink and shake up whatever, as tenuous as your system may have been to begin with, you really have to undo them. And that's when most people tend to take the GTD or prove to themselves, thank God I did GTD, I know GTD that got me through this transition time. So I'm, I'm curious then, uh, I mean, I just checked in the, the book says it's copyright 2001. So what, if anything, has changed in GTD in the last, what, 12 years since you wrote it? Well, nothing about the principles. I mean, they're, they're as old as dirt and, and they're eternal. In other words, keep something in your head, you're going to give it inappropriate psychic energy. Uh, so that's, that nothing, nothing is going to change. By the way, I'm, I'm now, uh, just working, negotiating with my editor to do a revised edition. And so the, what has really changed, I think, is a lot of what we've been talking about, which is really understanding there's a whole sort of lifelong path of mastership of this game called, you know, sort of total life management and how, how well one does that in the kind of worlds that we're in these days. So a lot of that and a lot of, you know, how long it takes people to uptake this stuff and change some of these habits, but also how transformational it is and a lot more about the why. You know, this is about creating space and about being present. And it's about being able to, you know, to, to increase your capacity to do and be focused on meaningful things. And, you know, I think understanding more of the why and the subtleties of this, uh, as well as, you know, what a lifelong sort of craft it is, that's some of the spin, I think, that, that'll be in the revised version. Okay. And, you know, obviously, the, the, the big question is how much has technology, because of all the changes in technology since I wrote that, you know, a lot of stuff has shown up out there, and the principles haven't changed at all. It's just forced the issue perhaps a lot more than it was before. Because everybody's so open the fire hose in terms of how much stuff they're, they're coming at them. They're having to make a lot of these kinds of triage decisions and are going to have to get more sort of GDD-esque about how do you navigate that. So everybody, everybody's getting more feeling and, and talking about being more and more overwhelmed and more and more stuff and more and more trouble setting priorities and more and more and more. And, and, you know, it, it, at some point you're going to go, it's not getting any worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I've got a handle on it. You know, it's like I'm, I'm driving the car now. Doesn't mean you're going to get rid of challenges and, you know, great opportunities and so forth. The, the GTD doesn't get rid of challenges or, or stress. It, 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 you'd never grow if you didn't have those things. But getting it, being a driver's seat about it so that you're appropriately engaged with the stormy sea you're in as opposed to throwing up your hands like, oh, my God, I hope we don't hit something. <laughs> so I want to ask about your system. You know, you, you kind of leave it open-ended, and I, I understand why you've done that. It's so that people can figure out what works for them. And everybody's system is going to be a little bit different because everybody's different. But I'm a little curious. Do you use software to manage a lot of this stuff, or do you still uh, do yeah. a lot of it with paper? Or you know, kind, kind of so walk I, us through your process a little bit with the tools I use, you use. You know, I've used Lotus Notes for 18 years, which is a fabulous tool. Very 
underappreciated in the world out there. So uh, I'm still a, we're still a note shop in our in our company. So I use the task within Lotus Notes for most of my list that in terms of action list and my projects. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Eric Mack, who built um, um, an add-in to Lotus Notes called eProductivity, based upon the GTD model, uh, makes it very slick. So I can drag an email and automatically make it a waiting for. I can, you know, there's a lot of cool things I can I can do with it. So that's, you know, the Lotus Notes with eProductivity is my prime driver of of action reminders. And then, you know, I've just in the last six months or three to six months have gotten into Evernote and I'm starting to move a lot of things because I've I've been in the cloud for 18 years. I mean, Lotus Notes is, was the cloud. You know, so everybody's going, oh, the cloud, everything's cloud. I go, hey, you know, I've been there for 20 years almost. I, I've, I must say, I've consistently heard from people who use Lotus Notes that what you said, that it's underappreciated and that it's done all these amazing things for a long, long time. I have zero experience with it, but this is a common complaint I've heard. Yeah. Well, you know, you just have to have a server, but... Everything is distributed. You know, it's even better than the cloud because it's just, you know, it's a totally distributed. So I've got more working databases in Lotus Notes than I actually have staff, but they're all populated whenever I replicate, whenever I sync up. And then any changes I make offline automatically go back and replicate and sync up the, you know, in, in the master. And then everybody else around the world can access the same stuff, replicate the same things, add to it and so forth. So. I scratch my head at people going SharePoint and the cloud, and I go, well, yeah, catch up. <laughs> anyway, so so th- those are those are primary, and Evernote's great. Uh, you know, I, also about a year ago, I, I migrated to to the iOS uh, platform, maybe a year and a half or so ago. You know, I'd been PC for all those years, and finally I said, okay, I, I got to jump in and see how much difference the iOS platform might make in terms of productivity, just for my own edification. So I hopped in, you know, and, and it's great, lovely, you know, obviously the UI and the, and the reliability of the, of the, of the, uh, of the OS are great in, in, in that world. So, and also all the sync up and now, you know, iPad and iPhone and, and Mac, which are, you know, I'm, I'm on all three. Nice to have all those, you know, syncing up together. So that's what I, and Evernote was, was really great. I have a lot of, of you know, all my restaurants and everything else. My wife and I share a database of all kinds of information and so forth that, that's, that's in uh, Lotus Notes. But again, um, there are ways to do it. Our tech people haven't actually set it up yet where I could actually be using my iPhone and iPad to access Lotus Notes databases, which would be nice. I uh, can't do that yet. So that's given me the excuse to just go see, okay, how much can I put in Evernote in terms of all that, in terms of just reference material, which is really great, you know, and it's, it's, uh, you know, um, you know, Phil is a good GTDer, you know, all the Evernote guys, you know, are anyway, though it's obviously a much bigger thing. So you could, you, you can actually use, we just, we just created a, a white paper on how to use Evernote for the GTD process if you're interested in doing that. And that's great because of its reliability in terms of syncing, you know, with all this stuff back and forth. And but even then, it, it's almost like it's so simple. It's kind of like GTD. It's so simple. It's totally overwhelming. Like, well, gee, I, how do how would I even start to structure, you know, my notebooks and my stacks and and so forth? And and how do how do you do that? So careful <laughs> if anybody hasn't stepped into Evernote yet. It is uh, you know dauntingly cool. Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing. Um, and. You know, like you said, I mean, you can get Evernote stuff anywhere on your phone, on your machine. It's it's super nice. Yeah. 
I had yeah, a question you know, attached I, to that, and I, I, I forgot what it was. So. Uh, go ahead. Well, you asked me about my system. So that's, you know, I've got, I've got stuff all over the place in terms of reference material and lots of different places and lots of different things that I do. And I, I have a typical office suite, you know, with Excel and Word. And, and uh, you know, that's just for all those, all, those, all those regular kinds of things. And typical, you know, all the good stuff like Snagit and Skype and uh, Dropbox and, you know, all those good things and use it for regularly for things like OpenTable and uh, Uber and, you know, all those, those cool sort of tech-driven sort of apps, uh, things like that. I remember what my question was. Can we get a link to that white paper on Evernote and GTD? Well, you can buy it. Yeah, you can just go to, go to, the, go to the, our store. Oh, it's okay. In, it's in our store on the website. I don't know, like nine bucks or something to download. All right, cool. We'll, we'll let people know where to go to get it. Sure. Well, davidco.com. Just go to our davidco.com and look under products. And you'll see, I think, is it just products or is it, don't even know, my website. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's right there on the first page of products. Yeah, probably educational products, I would think, are GTD resources, software, uh, software setup guides. Yeah, it's under products. So GTD and Evernote for Windows setup guide and GTD and Evernote for Windows setup, GTD and, and Evernote for Mac setup guide, letter size, so forth. Cool. I'll have to look at this. looks like there's some uh, stuff here about how to set up your different software and things like that. Yeah, well, we've got Outlook. I think I've got maybe 03, 07, and 10 Outlook. If you want to reconfigure Outlook for GTD, we've got that setup guide. We've got Lotus Notes setup guide. We've got OmniFocus setup guide. And just a sort of vanilla Apple setup guide if you were just just using your plain old Apple lists. Nice. Yeah, I might have to get the OmniFocus one and see what the recommendations are. So is there anything else that you want to uh, talk to us about about GTD? Or do any of the rest of you have any more questions? Ah, oh, nothing on my mind. You guys have asked good questions. I, w- I wanted to say nothing on your mind because you've got it all in your system, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't have a question. I'll just say that, um, like after rereading the book and talking to you now, I'm, I'm going to give it another whirl. It, it can't, it can't possibly be worse than my current, uh, my current system or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't hurt. What's funny with the with what's going on? Because I did GTD for probably six months, and then I. I sort of let it slide and I'd come back around to it for a while. And then I started doing it again when I was uh, reading the book. And so it, what's interesting is over the last two or three weeks, the system has slowly been absorbing more and more of this stuff. You know, I sat down and I did a huge purge and I did a huge, you know, organization and I put everything in my inbox and I've gotten most of that stuff out, but I ran out of time. And But but the, the thing that's really crazy is that, you know, as time goes on, it's like I, I keep putting more and more stuff in there and I keep it, – it, it keeps getting better. I keep feeling good about it. And then I check something off and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and so, you know, just, just things like that, you know, it, it really has been paying off. And it's not fully integrated in, into the way I do things yet, but it's it's getting there. And it's 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 interesting when I see the payoffs. So. Yeah, it it is kind of the easier the the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, start winding the show down. So um, we'll let Curtis start us off with the picks. I'm gonna pick Read Kit for Mac, uh, which does your RSS feeds from a bunch of different services, um, all the new paid ones, and it also does Instapaper. Uh, I yeah, that's what I've been using, and it's nice. It has a decent set of keyboard commands, but not as much as this BIM user would like, but it's, it's a good one. 
Nice. Eric, what are your picks? All right, so I got two. Uh, the first one's a blog post by Brendan Dunn. Uh, it's the Definite Guide to Project Billing. It's a pretty good post. It talks about different ways you can build, like hourly, daily, weekly, kind of the fixed bid, all that. But he goes into the pros and cons about it, which is pretty good. Uh, second pick is an old one um, from Merlin Mann on 43 folders. It's his procrastination dash. Basically, the idea is if you have stuff on your to-do list that you've been procrastinating on, you don't ever start. Um, it's kind of a quick thing where you take like 20 or 30 minutes and do like five minutes on each one or just enough to kind of get you unblocked and hopefully make it so that you're not going to procrastinate in the future on them. Um, I've done this in the past many, many times and it's pretty good, um, especially for the kind of the big tasks that you don't know kind of what the next action is or it's like a vague one. And this can kind of help free up your mind and figure out like, okay, what, what do I really need to do on this next? So that's it. Awesome. Um, Reuven, what are your picks? Okay, so uh, I don't know if this counts as a pick, but um, I'm going to mention there's an article or a set of articles about uh, GTD and Emacs for all the Emacs buffs out there, how you can use org mode to use that. Um, but my, my actual picks are uh, I just got a 10-port USB hub from Pluggable, and I've never had a plugged-in hub before. I've always had non-plugged-in ones, and it's really great. It's really improved things, allows me to attach and detach everything with just one cable when I take my uh, laptop out. And then uh, for a fun pick or pair of picks, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the game Dominion. I got it f- about six months ago, brought it home uh, one of my trips to the U.S., and my kids and I have been enjoying it tremendously. It's a super easy card game to get into, and it's somewhat addictive, but it's nothing, nothing compared to Dominion Online, which was incredibly broken for a long time until they just fixed it a few days ago. And I'm sorry to say that I've been, uh, I'm especially sorry to say this on a show about productivity and priorities, but I've been spending way too much time playing Dominion online, uh, and not nearly enough, uh, working on my dissertation. But, um, so if you, if you have nothing to do, then, or if you have something to do that you want to ignore, then you should definitely shop. Awesome. Yeah, I love Dominion. It's a fun one. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and give my picks. Um, my picks, we've already talked about them. Um, OmniFocus. And uh, it's it's a little bit expensive, but the thing that I really like about OmniFocus is that it syncs across all of my Mac and iOS devices. And then the other thing is is that they've got a hook into the reminder system for iOS. So all I have to do is tell Siri to remind me to do whatever, and Siri will put it into the reminder system, and then OmniFocus just slurps it up and puts it into my inbox. So then when I go and process my inbox... Um, it's already there. And so even if I'm driving or something, you know, I can just uh, tap my headset and, you know, record it that way. The other pick is uh, Evernote. And Evernote is just a terrific way to store documents. It does more than just um, notes. You can store images. Um, you can store pretty much any uh, semi-standard um, type of document in it. So you can, I think you can import Word files and open office and pages and whatever. Um, if you have some kind of mind mapping software, which is talked about in the book, but we didn't really talk about on this episode, um, a lot of those will export to an image that you can drop into Evernote. Um, you can also, I have a little uh, ScanSnap scanner that scans things directly into Evernote. So if I ever have documents or things that are paper that I want to put into my online um, resources, then, then I do that. So it's just, it's just a really awesome way of, of getting that stuff up there. And then there's an Evernote app for most of the mobile devices out there, the smartphones. And so you can then access your reference material from wherever you're at. So I really, really love those. 
David, what are your picks? Uh, I got a bunch. They range all over the place. I mentioned Open Table and Uber because I, I, I go out to eat a lot and, you know, and I also need a limo a lot. So if people don't know Open Table and Uber, uh, they are absolutely, if you, I can't imagine people in the tech world don't know those already, but those, those are, those are great. Flipboard. Dot com. I love Flipboard, uh, on, especially on my iPhone. It's a, it's a great way you can, you know, customize it and some just very cool things. If I'm waiting in a security line or waiting in a restaurant for somebody or whatever, it's a great way just to be, especially if you've got nice graphics to be able to see, uh, their design areas, their creative areas and there. There's all kinds of great sort of articles you can just trace down. And also the UI on that is very cool in terms of very, very easy to flip through. See things you might want to read, open it up, uh, and, and so forth. I, I, I enjoy that. I, I do a lot of reading, my, my reading on the, on the iPad because I travel a lot and, you know, you can see the iPad. It's great. It's backlit and, or the lighting on it as well. And I love the week and theweek.com. If you're not subscribing to the week, it's a, just the, the best, fastest, easiest way to get an overview of the world's press and all the cool stuff around as well as a lot of different things. So. Gets a big vote. The other favorite magazine of mine, I don't read a whole lot, but the, the week is one and the Atlantic. And they just did, the Atlantic just created a mashup in the Atlantic Weekly for the iPad, which actually mashes the best stuff they've seen in the web as well as their print edition and, and so forth. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Atlantic and, you know, I just think they, 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 they hold the, the flag of, Certainly, the U.S. culture, but even globally, uh, in in a way that no other magazine I know does in terms of intelligent stuff. So I love that, and I love to be able to do that through the iPad, and it's you know it's terrific, terrific reading, and the, the graphics on there are really nice too, uh, and the links that you can get there all works really great. Uh, I love paper, by the way, 53.com, spelled out F-I-F-T-Y-T-H-R-E-E. Those of you who like to draw. It is just really cool if you haven't gotten that yet. And the best stylus that I've found. It's made by Adonit, A-D-O-N-I-T dot net. Adonit. It's expensive. It's about 30 bucks. But it's a stylus that's almost like a pen uh, working and to be able to draw with it. And it's uh, it's it's very classy. So there are several versions of that there. And the last one I'll end with is... a. No, no, two more. I'll, I'll give you. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll take up the space here. Scrivener, I've just started to learn. Scrivener, that's S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R, for those of you writing dissertations or a book or whatever, is now the software of choice for people doing long kind of manuscript development. It's very, very cool. It's very simple. It's kind of one of those things that has the, its power is its simplicity and your ability to be able to use it right away. It's from uh, a company, literatureandlatte.com. And if you spell that out, literatureandlatte, L-A-T-T-E, all one, you know, lowercase there, literatureandlatte.com. Scrivener is it. Jim Fallows, a senior writer at The Atlantic, turned me on to Scrivener. He uses it a lot. And I'm starting to use it for uh, my revised edition of the book. And last but not least, 23andMe. That's 23andMe spelled out. Two, th- but the numbers 23andMe.com. If any of you are curious about your DNA. So if you don't know that yet, you pay, I, gee, I, is it 30 bucks? I don't know if 30 or 40 bucks, but you, they basically send you a kit and you swab your inner cheek and you send it off to them and they actually come back and they've mapped your DNA and they have all kinds of really cool things that you can compare it with. They've got, they're, they're, they're mashing up all the different, uh, studies and research relative to DNA patterns. And 
sort of your chances of getting or, uh, you know, what you're likely having. I was amazed how accurate it was. I said, you're, you're blonde-headed, you're uh, AB blood type. Uh, here's where your ancestors come from. They could show you a map of the, the world where my, on your mother's side and on your father's side. So it's fascinating stuff. So those are mine. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah, I've been using Scrivener for some other projects, and I know that Eric and a few other folks have been trying it too, so. Yeah, thanks for all the all the tips and advice. We really, really appreciate it. And um, you know, the the book is just awesome. Um, one other question I have, really quick, for you is: um, I found a David Allen podcast, but it doesn't look like it's been updated recently. Are you still uh, doing that? You know, Kelly, who who puts these together for uh, GTD Connect. Uh, what does she do there? We basically we. You know, she she sends out stuff either out of LA, uh, out of uh, GTD Times, or it's done through. We do them inside of GTD Connect, which is our membership online, and we do. Uh, and then every once in a while, she'll take one of those and make them public. So that's probably that's probably what you ran across. Okay. Yeah, some of them are really good. So anyway, I'll just put a shout out to that as well. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming. It's it's been fun to talk, and again, I'm I'm gonna have to go back and uh, revisit some of my process. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been it's been fun to hang out with you guys, and nice to hear. What and hopefully I didn't create any more guilt. You don't need any more. <laughs> so, have fun, lighten up, relax, take it easy. You know, ain't that big a deal. I'll put that on my to do list. What I'm fond of saying these days is, look, you 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 are not your work. And you are not even your life. You you do work and you have a life, but it's the who who the it's the who 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 works and the who who has a life that this is all really about. So, mm-hmm. you know, all the rest is just a game. Awesome. Well said. All right. Well, uh, we'll wrap up the show then, and we'll catch everyone next week. <laughs>